This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, I'm going to have a conversation with Steve Mathis. Steve, of course, is from Buffalo Fanatics. We're going to talk plenty Buffalo Bills, plenty Buffalo Sabres, talk a little Buffalo Blue Jays. I know they're the Toronto Blue Jays, but as far as I'm concerned, they're the Buffalo Blue Jays, at least for the next handful of weeks. Scheduled to have home games in Buffalo, actually starting today. So we'll hit on all that. Previous to my conversation with Steve, I'm going to have a little bit of what I'm going to call a therapeutic rant, because I just got a lot of anxiety going on right now. When it comes to kids in this country, in school, in high school sports, and in my case, for my son specifically, High school football, just so much on the line for a lot of these kids. I'm very stressed out. have a lot of anxiety about it because it might not happen. So anyway, I'll talk about that as well. Plenty coming up on today's show. But before I get into that, I want to let you know that today's episode is being supported by our friends at Sunny Reds in Lackawanna. And I'll tell you what, if you know me, you know how much I love chicken wings. Every single time I get back to Buffalo, I'm going to a new place almost every night. I've power ranked and reviewed nearly 70 places now in Sunny Reds and Lackawanna. Easily a top 10 spot. In my opinion, one of maybe even the most under the radar place in all of Western New York when it comes to chicken wings. I think they're that good. I've done three podcasts there live before. I did shows with Eric Wood. I did a show with Joe Biscaglia. I did a show with Reed Ferguson. You ain't got to take my word. Ask those dudes. They'll tell you the same thing. The wings there are fantastic. So is the pizza, by the way. I can only speak for the pizza and the wings because those are the two things I've had there, but they're both the bomb. So if you like pizza, you like wings, you like a good vibe, a good time, head on over, check them out. Sunny Reds in Lackawanna. All right, episode 243, Talk to Buffalo Podcast. How you doing, everyone? Hope all's well. Uh, thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen, download the show. It truly means a lot to me, really does. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Uh, coming up on today's show, in fact, just a couple minutes from now, I'm going to have Steve Mathis. Steve is the co-host of The Bills Guys, part of the Buffalo Fanatics podcasting network live shows every monday and thursday he does that with dave they do a really good job and steve on the podcast about a month and a half or so ago in june and uh i enjoyed having him on a versatile guy who can talk about many different buffalo sports so i figured today would be a good day to bring him back in and that's because we're gonna be talking some bills and some sabers maybe even a little toronto blue jays or buffalo blue jays i guess for this summer up with the bills We'll get some reaction to Ed Oliver. Had a very interesting, revealing presser with the media on Zoom Monday. Some interesting comments. We'll react to that. 
course, when it comes to the Sabres, uh, their organization gave away some individual awards on Monday. We'll react to them. Uh, we'll talk about our thoughts about the new uniforms that are going to be rolled out actually today as you're listening to this a uh, little NHL draft lottery reaction. So plenty of stuff coming up with Steve and I'll have that for you in just a couple of minutes. Look, before that though, maybe it's selfish and if so, I'll apologize in advance, but you know, it is kind of my podcast and it might be a little therapeutic for me. So I, I kind of got just get this off my chest. Uh, tries I've made, I've, I've just been so loaded recently with worry and with anxiety uh, you know, one week from today, exactly, actually not even a week, six days from today as you're listening to this, uh, at least as of right now, as I record this anyway, schools down here in Manatee County in Florida, where I'm living for now, are, are scheduled to start. And there were three options given to us, the parents. Uh, one was brick and mortar. Um, that's in-person schooling. Another one was hybrid, where they would go to school a couple days a week and we learn from home the rest of the week. And then there's distance learning where the kids would exclusively uh, stay home to go to school. Uh, my wife and I chose brick and mortar for a variety of reasons. And some of them don't really need any explanation. And some I really don't care to get into as it doesn't really, inf- it doesn't fit the, uh, the intention of what I'm rambling here about. And uh, I'll tell you, tr- truthfully, I don't have, any significant fear for my son. He's a high school senior, will be a high school senior come next week. And he's a legitimately very good football player, a prospect. Uh, I don't have any significant fear when it comes to him going to school, at least not physically anyway, but I have a lot of anxiety because I have a complete lack of faith, if I'm being honest with you, that this school option that we chose is going to be sustainable for very long. You know, just like I've been with watching professional sports these last couple of weeks, I'm certainly enjoying each and every day that I get to watch something on TV, whether it's an NBA game or a NHL game or a Yankees game. But even when I'm watching, I'm not like completely invested because I've felt like it's just a matter of time before that rug gets pulled out from underneath me. I mean, that's the way 2020 has been. And I, Kind of feel the exact same way about these kids uh, physically being able to go to school this fall, or at least certainly in a state like Florida, where I live right now, where the numbers are still running rampant over almost every other state in the country. And look, I mean, I don't care if the reasons are medical. I don't care if the reasons are political, a combination of both. I only care about the result right now. And I'm very afraid that maybe two weeks or even less after school starts, brick and mortar, at least anyway, that there's going to be outbreaks and kids being in school physically. I just think that's going to go away pretty quickly and it won't even be an option. And I'll tell you what, it sickens me, man. It really does. Because I believe, I firmly believe that kids should be in school for reasons that go beyond just educational. Now, obviously that's the most important thing. You go to school to learn but there's a lot more than just the educational aspect of a child going to school. There's also the social reasons out there. Again, doesn't really need a lot of elaboration there socially. 
uh, structurally as well. Uh, kids develop routines and habits that are associated with time and management and learning how to use it. Getting up early. Now, I know there's a lot of parents out there listening who have children who are going to school and had to do online learning. Now, I can't speak for all of them. I can speak for mine. It's hard to get your kid up, hard to get them motivated, hard to keep them in a routine when they have some work for the week on the computer and add to the end of the week to get it done. It's just not the same. It's just not the same. Socially, it's not the same structurally. Uh, and you're more than welcome to disagree with any reasoning that I have, but it doesn't really matter. It is what it is, right? But, and this is where for me, it gets really personal and, and hurtful and it, where most of the anxiety comes from because, you know, far more than what has me on edge right now, and that's at best, I'm like, on edge is like the best case. Uh, the worst is physically like sick to my stomach. That's the worst case because I'm very scared about what's going to happen when it comes to high school football. And I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit this. I, I In fact, I have no real problem saying it at all that my son Shane, his senior year of high school football to me and him and his future is significantly more important than the general education that he's getting as a high school senior. And look, don't get that twisted either because I'm not saying school's not important, education's not important. Of course it is, man, of course. But I say that because I'm realistic enough to know that if, in this case, my son, if he's going to get an opportunity to go to college where that that college, that university is going to foot, foot the bill, I mean, it's going to come via a football scholarship, not academically. My son's not stupid, but he ain't going to school on an academic scholarship. If he goes to school, to college, and, and has an opportunity to have it paid for, it's going to be through football. And him having an opportunity to play his senior year and put together senior game film, it's not just critical, it's beyond critical. Again, not just for this year, but for his future. Uh, you know, he's uh, a little bit about myself. If you don't know, he's about 5'10". No, he hasn't really gotten any taller since the end of his junior year, which ended last November. But, you know, the kid's worked his ass off, man. He's put on 15 pounds of muscle. He's like around 207, 208, benching 335, 340. Been working with a speed trainer. He's, he's faster. He's more agile, more explosive. Last year as a junior down here in Florida, which, flip a coin, Florida, Texas, I mean, is pretty much well known that these are the best two states in the entire nation for high school football. He made honorable mention all state last year as a junior, but again, because of his height, that's a detriment. And, uh, you know, with no spring ball down here in Florida, which is a very big deal in Florida, spring ball is better known as college football recruiting season. Cause that's literally what it is. Uh, so in his case, it's critical to have this senior game film. And I can't tell you how many, cause I'm, obviously I'm very involved in it. I, I can't tell you how many college coaches and recruiters that have reached out to him and have kept tabs with him, have, have told him, hey, you're on our radar, man, and uh, we need you to put together some killer senior film. You know, and these schools range from a couple D1 schools to many D2 schools, some NAIA schools, literally all over the country. And it just, it makes me sad. It, it, it makes me take it more personally, you know, what's happened, everything in this country this year and this pandemic and how it's been handled these last six months, 
then frankly, maybe it does for a lot of you who aren't in this type of situation. And look, uh, I'm going to say this too, because this is important. I know there's more important things in the world than high school football, okay? I'm, I'm not being oblivious to any of it. I know there's some people out there listening who have lost a loved one to COVID, who have had to bury somebody and couldn't even go to the funeral because of COVID. I know there's many people out there listening who have lost their jobs because of COVID. I know there's many people out there listening who have had their business, their dream shattered because of COVID. Some of you have had to close your doors and you may never open them again. So I get it. I know big picture wise, it doesn't feel that big. But again, this is kind of like being a little self-therapeutic here. I'm talking about my own experience. I, I just, I think back to all the years of Little Loop football, playing for five years in Lackawanna and going to West Seneca, playing a year on the West Side, going to the West Seneca Middle School program. You know, just all those years of learning and all the tough decisions and all the sacrifices, just my son, the entire family's made, all the hard work he's put in and, you know, and even moving down here to Florida four and a half years ago. That was in no small part because of Florida high school football and what it has to offer compared, frankly, to high school football programs back up north in New York. And to have that potentially wash away because the leadership, and I might try to get political here, so, you know, forgive me, but I, I will say this. Because the leadership, and name it, the federal, the state, the county levels, they couldn't put aside political differences. They couldn't get on the same page to handle a pandemic properly. Uh, instead, this has become pretty much all about politics. Democrats want Republicans to fail, vice versa. And because of that, tens and tens of thousands of kids, just like my son, are going to be ultimately paying the price for it. So, you know, I'm trying to stay positive during these times, but again, it's, it's very difficult. When you see that most of the world around us is bouncing back from this, at least pretty successfully, and it feels like in many regards, United States right now, we're in, at least in certain parts of it for sure. They're in, we're in worse shape now than we were three months ago. I just don't understand it. And whether it's through sports or whether it's through social development or many other factors, again, it, it's the kids that are picking up the tab for our display, our I should say lack of it when it comes to leadership on every single governmental level. Unity among our countrymen, our women is just terrible. And it's just sad. And, and I really hope that somehow, some way, again, on all levels, these kids get an opportunity to finish what they started. These high school seniors, just like my heart broke from them last spring, the baseball players who had it shut down. I never in a million years thought we'd be heading into the next school year in the same boat, but we are. And I really hope that things can work out where these high school kids get to play. Just like the college football players or the college athletes. I shouldn't even say football, just athletes, period, that they get the chance to go out and experience this one more time, especially the seniors, because it's just sad. It's terrible. So anyway, that was my rant. I actually do feel a little better now, to be honest with you. Now I said all that. And now... <laughs> Let's get into today's episode. Thank you very much for listening to that. And hopefully in some way, shape or form, a lot of you listening can relate to it. But anyway, enough about me, enough about that. Let's just talk some Bills, some Sabres, some Buffalo Blue Jays. See what else comes up during this conversation. 
my man Steve Mathis from Buffalo Fanatics. All right, I am joined right now by the co-host of the Bills Guys podcast, live on Mondays and Thursdays on YouTube, 9 p.m., at least for now until the season starts. Also, you can catch the show on all major podcasting platforms. Of course, part of the Buffalo Fanatics podcasting network. Had him on the pod a few months ago. Really enjoyed talking to him, so he's back again. Steve Mathis, what's going on, Steve? How you doing, buddy? I'm just living the dream, man. You know, I'm finally, all these sports are back on television and they have me back at work. So I really don't get to uh, get to enjoy the uh, the blast of sports. I'm, I'm working my butt off, but uh, yeah, that's just how life works, I guess. You know, it really is. I talked about it in the opening of this podcast when it comes to sports. I don't know how you feel about it right now, but I'm just trying to take it day by day and enjoy it. I've missed sports so much, way more than I ever thought I would when they were gone and now they're back and I'm watching the NBA pretty much almost every day. Baseball, even watching a little hockey here and there. I'm not a big hockey guy if the Sabres aren't playing, but I'm enjoying it. PJ golf over the weekend, the, the, the first major of the year. That was awesome. I'm just, I'm trying to take things day by day and enjoy them. But at the same token, I don't know about you, but I'm finding myself having difficulty getting like emotionally attached because it's like, I'm waiting for that rug to get pulled out from underneath me, which is about to happen with college football. We'll talk about that maybe in a few, but you got to get that sense like you're enjoying it and taking it for what it is right now. Yeah, you know, it's 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 weird because what we're seeing mostly now is sort of that bubble situation, especially with with hockey and with the NBA, which is it it's a legitimately perfect situation. Sure. They've been playing for a month and a half now or a month now, and they haven't had a single positive COVID test. But you then, you know, what we really care about, or at least what I really care about is, is football, college football, NFL. They're not playing in a bubble and you're seeing some of the issues that major league baseball's running into. And that's, what's really sort of uh, got me on edge right now is what the issues that are going on with major league baseball. Yeah. It's very concerning. We're taping this Monday evening, the big 10 officially canceled the season. And word is, is that pretty much everybody's going to be following suit soon. Maybe even by the time people hear this, some more stuff might've went down. Yeah, it sucks. And again, I mean, it, it goes beyond just that, even like myself. And again, this is something I talked about earlier in the show. I have a son who's a very good high school football player going into his senior year. And, you know, when the when you're a kid and you watch your kid grow up, you just, you dream of those moments to get to be where, and like I said, and I'm talking about myself personally here, but where my mm-hmm. son is at in a football program, that senior year, being a captain, being a leader is one of the best players on the team. The fans, the cardboard cutouts, the posters of the seniors around the stadium. And it's just kind of gut-wrenching to know that, uh, you know, it's, it's, they might play, they might not play, but that environment, that vibe is definitely not going to happen. It's just tough, man. It sucks. I'm sure you know where yeah. I'm going with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 my school's athletic director. Uh, I'm a teacher. I'm also the athletic director. So it's something that I see on, on a daily basis with just like athletes really disappointed that their seasons are canceled. And, and things of that nature and they don't get to play out their final years and all that stuff. It's uh, I, honestly, I just don't even have words for it, especially you with your son and all that stuff. Like I just, ugh, yeah. it's just, it's, it's a really rough situation. It is. And don't get me wrong. I'm not unique to this situation. I mean, there's tens and tens <laughs> of thousands of parents all across the country, whether it's football, baseball, any sport, whatever that's going on right now, especially in the fall coming up here, that's uh, on pins and needles. I'll tell you what, we'll maybe bounce back to that, but, 
Mm -hmm. talk about something fun, something good. Now, you're a fan of The Office, correct? I am, yes. I've seen it about four or five times now. (laughs) All right. Well, let me say this. I haven't really talked about it on the podcast. I've talked about it on Twitter a little bit, but so I've, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fanatic, dude. I've, I don't know. I can't even tell you how many times I've rewatched the entire series from start to finish. Even the shitty late seven, all of eight, all of nine seasons that, you know, feel like a grind and it's not really fun after Michael Scott's gone from the show. But so check it out. This is what I'm I'm doing now. And it's been taking a while. I've been rewatching it, but every episode I have my remote and I press pause. And every time something comes up, uh, I write down a trivia question. So basically what I'm getting at here is I am creating, uh, even if it's not, I'm going to call it the world's best office trivia quiz that you're ever going to see. Now I just started season eight. So I did seasons one through seven and I got to look at my list here. In fact, I'm talking to you. I'm at 463 trivia questions right now through seven seasons. And this has taken an enormous amount of time. But yeah, the goal is to be completely done with the series and have a minimum of 600 questions. And they're all going to be, by the way, multiple choice questions too, because some of them could just be ridiculous. Nobody can remember every single aspect. If you have Mm -hmm. multiple choices, it might ring a bell. But yeah, that's what I've been working on. That's been like, Say I can't believe I'm saying this. It's kind of sad to say it, but it's been like the highlight of my summer, dude. I've been working on the, the, the biggest office trivia quiz ever. Self, self-care is, is really important right now in the, in the coronavirus <laughs> era. And honestly, if there's not a vaccine anytime soon, you, you could be a millionaire. You, could, you can give up the podcasting game because you can make bank <laughs> off of this thing. Yeah, well, I got to figure out how I want to do it. I, I don't, should I present it as one big, huge document? Should I do it, uh, you know, in written word with a bunch of sections? Should I have a, uh, a series of podcast episodes where I go through a season a day and run off the questions, maybe have different guests on for that stuff like that. I'm obviously keeping score at home too. I, it's something that I, I know all office fans are going to really enjoy, but yeah, it's been, I, I dude, I love that show, man. And you know, a lot of people, and I'm sure you've encountered some too mm-hmm. who don't really love the show so much, or they're just kind of discovering it. And it's because they see certain episodes or they go back and watch certain episodes. And I tell them all the time, man, I'm like, yo, you need to watch the show from the beginning, even if the very start of it's not the best, because the more you get to know these characters, the funnier they become, or the more those tender moments mean, because you've really, you've seen it. You know what I mean? Like Jim and Dwight, as often as they've went at it throughout the series, when you know that and you know their background, you know their history, when they actually unite for something, which is rare, it, it, it kind of means more. Or like mm-hmm. I said, just those tender general moments, period, like the wedding of Jim and Pam. You know, mm-hmm. you followed that journey for six seasons. It means a lot more than if you just catch an episode here or an episode there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, with a character like Michael Scott, with as as cringeworthy as he can be at sometimes. Like the reason why his character is is such a great character and why he's such a beloved character, it's not just for those cringe worthy moments that we love to gif. It's it's because you really sort of feel for the character when you see those moments in between all those cringe worthy things. The way he truly cares about the people he works with and the relationships he builds with the people he works with. It's sort of uh, it makes the cringe worthy moments less cringe worthy, right. uh, more hysterical, and it, it sort of builds a dynamic around the character that makes him a, a character that you remember for all time, not just a, a character that you can easily forget. Yeah, absolutely. That's what exactly what I'm talking about. If you only catch a little bit here, a little bit there, 
Like, there's some great moments with him, some hilarious moments, whether he's being a dick or whether it's being something cool. But when you mm-hmm. know him and you go through that journey with him, like at the end when he proposes to Holly, man, you get, I, I get teared up. I'm not going to lie about it because it mm-hmm. just means more because you follow it all. But anyway, something to look forward to. I know you'll be down with taking that can, quiz. Can you, can you throw a question at me? Just like close your eyes, point and pick one. Throw a question at me. I'm, I'm kind of curious what these questions look like. Uh, sure, man. Well, right now I kind of got them in going by season. So if I just were to randomly pick uh, one question here. All right. In Fun Run, which is the episode, and I always have the mm-hmm. episode listed. It'll say in Fun Run, just minutes into the race, three participants get into a cab and go to a patio bar. It was Stanley Creed and then would be like A, Oscar, B, Creed, C, Ryan, D, Jan. Do you know what I mean? Well, that yeah. actually is a question. Do you know the answer? That's got to be Phyllis, though, right? No. Nope. Phyllis? It's not nope. Phyllis? Nope. It's Oscar. Who is it? It's Oscar. Dang. Just minutes into the race. Soon as uh, the first <laughs> wave go by, they jump into a cab. They go hang out at a bar for an hour or two. And, uh, but yeah, now that's I what feel it's like. Gonna, yeah, it's, well, how, yeah, that's how it's going to be filled, man. Just a bunch of mul- It's going to be like taking your SAT all over again, man. Now I got it. Now I have to sort of start rewatching that because right now my fiance controls sort of the, the background noise show. And if I have to watch one more episode of Friends, I'm going to kill myself. Oh, God. One episode of Friends is one too many. I'm probably <laughs> one of the most. Nah, I'm sorry to your girl, man, but probably the most overrated series that I've ever tried to watch in my life. I just could never get into it, man. I'm an, I'm an old school guy. I love the old school shows. Love Seinfeld, mm-hmm. but just couldn't do Friends. Anyway, how's the podcast going, man? Like I said, Monday, Thursday nights, it's... Uh, yeah, it is uh, It is quite the grind. My Iron Man streak came to an end. I had to miss a show last week. Uh, last Monday, I had to get a fill-in host, but it's going good. Monday, Monday, Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, Buffalo Fanatics, uh, the YouTube, the Twitter, the Facebook, uh, wherever you go to get your Buffalo Fanatics fix, uh, we are usually there. Uh, and I just started a, a new podcast over at the, the Daily Buffalo, which is the Buffalo Fanatics sister station that drops Monday through Friday at noon. Um, so you guys can check that out, find the promos and stuff on Twitter. Uh, every week, I sort of I try to become the Colin Cowherd of uh, of Bills Mafia and Sabres Mafia and and give my hot take for the day and usually one or two interviews that I do over the weekend that I, I segment out over the course of five day week. So it's usually like a 20, 30 minute, you know, drive time, drive time, uh, drive time home from work type of podcast uh, that I'm rolling out for the Buffalo Fanatics because we're really trying to uh, we're trying to get you about 20, 25 hours worth of content a week from our morning podcast to our evening vidcast to that that middle of the day podcast. We We want to have you covered. Every segment of the day, if, if that's something that uh, people want to listen to. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I'll tell you, one of the things that I like about you, one of the reasons why I reached out to you to have you on this specific episode, besides the fact that I like chatting with you anyway, is uh, you're not just a Bills guy. And that's no insult to people who are Bills guys. It's no insult to Sabres guys or just Sabres guys. You're a Sabres and a Bills guy, so I could talk a little bit of both. And you'd be surprised at how many people out there I can only do one or the other with, man. So. You know, that that's pretty cool. Now, when it comes to like doing the show, you mentioned it, you finally had to miss a week and then mm-hmm. it was a grind. You ever find it, no matter how much you like doing it, we all like doing what we do. Like, I love my podcast. I love doing it. But every now and then, man, yeah, it's tough to really dig in and get that enthusiasm to to do that next show because it can be a grind. Yeah, if you suffer, have you reached that point yet where some days you got to say, you know, you're busy with work, you got something going on in your personal life, whatever it is. And you got to leave that at the door and you got to get it together because you have to do another show. And not only do you have to do a show, but in your case, you're doing a, a vidcast 
you're live, mm-hmm. you're in, your engagement with the fans is a very big part of your podcast, mm-hmm. as opposed to, say, this one where it's more conversational, uh, you know, one-on-one conversation. You got to not just do the show, but you got to bring that energy, too. That can be a little bit of a, that can be difficult sometimes, frankly, ain't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned it a couple of minutes ago. I'm a, I'm a teacher. So we have this whole online learning thing that we have to sort of, you know, maneuver around. I have 100 students on on sort of like, you know, Google Meets calls every morning. And I'm working like crazy to contact parents and to shoot out work and, and to do everything digitally. And like I mentioned, I'm also engaged. So I got a fiance who <laughs> like needs attention to. Sure. Um, so it's 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 a grind. Like even last Thursday, about halfway through the show, like, I was just out of it. Like I even remember I texted my co-host Dave Tilton after the show. I'm like, dude, I apologize because I was totally on, you know, pilot mode the last half hour of our episode last week. And like I straight up apologized to him. And I spent this past weekend like just trying to get my energy back, trying to get my excitement back because of all the off seasons too. I mean, being a fan of Buffalo teams, like kudos to any Bills or Sabres fan, because first of all, the Sabres, they haven't played in three months. Right. They're not going to play for like another four months. And not to mention, they're just kind of an embarrassment right now. So so what Sabres fans have to go through and the fact that there's really no light at the end of the tunnel, kudos to them for still listening to a podcast about the Sabres or listening to anything on the radio, even remotely about the Sabres, for like giving a damn about like the royal blue jerseys that we're going to talk about later. Like kudos to them for even like giving a shit at this moment. And then for Bills fans, I mean, we've had no padded practices. There's no cameras allowed on the practice field. We didn't see OTAs. The draft was virtual. Like these guys aren't coming in for these big glitzy press conferences that they used to. Kudos to 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 the Bills fans. There's the hundreds of people who get out of this live every Monday and Thursday night and still want to listen to us talk about the Buffalo Bills. I mean, talk about a, a fan base that knows how to persevere and and absolutely loves and is passionate about their sports team. It's, it's, it's insane. And I, that's what I, that's what I love about it. Like that's another thing about the live shows too, is you can feed off of the energy that the people who are commenting, you know, are, are sort of giving you. Yeah, for sure. And when it comes to the Sabres, we'll talk about them in a couple minutes. I want to start with the bills and more specifically at Oliver. Now on Monday at Oliver met with the media, well, of course via zoom. And it was the first time that he had one of those chats since uh, being arrested in May. And, I don't know, man. You know, a lot of times player press conferences can be very vanilla, just like coaches. They're very mm-hmm. careful what they say. There's not really much to take away. They're, you know, they're all working hard. They're, they're looking forward to the season, blah, 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 blah. This was different. This was interesting. This was telling. You could tell he was very in control of his emotions, which is good. But at the same token, you could also tell that what happened to him left him very frustrated and Rightfully so. Here's what I want to do. First, I want to play a clip. I got two of them. Mm-hmm. The first one, he talks about being arrested even after blowing a point zero zero uh, into the tube. The officer said that he thought was still he was still intoxicated, which is absolutely freaking ridiculous. But anyway, let me play that clip, and I'll come back on the other side and get a reaction. So here's that clip. I think I got like a little frustrated when he was like, well, after I took the breath a lot of the test and he was like, it came back zero, zero, zero. And he was like, but I still think you're intoxicated. And I was like, bro, I'm just tired. Like, I just want to go home. He was like, nah, you got to come with us tonight. And I was like, I just got a little frustrated because he wasn't understanding what I was saying, I guess. Like, he didn't want to understand. So I, don't know, I got a little frustrated, but ain't nothing you could do at that point. It's just kind of like, 
one of those things in your life you just got to go through and get through it. And, and hopefully I can, I can tell my kids about it or I can inform people on, hey, you don't have to fight back. You just, if you're right, you're right. The, the truth going to set you free. So just go do it. Go through with it. Hey, you'll be all right on the other side. Don't, don't resist. Just go ahead. And they tell you go to jail. Okay, just go. Now, as I get your take on this, my first thought is you're angry. You're getting arrested. You know you're not intoxicated. You know you're clean and you're getting arrested anyway. He was able in that moment to keep his composure. And from everything we've seen around the country that's happened, not going, I mean, going back years, but, you know, even more specifically recently, because that's more fresh in our minds. Sounds like it's a, he feels that he was uh very fortunate for him himself that he was able to keep his composure. But yeah, you could hear it, the frustration in his voice, even if he's doing it in a very calm manner, ain't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, the the restraint that Ed Oliver showed, not only in his interview, um, you know, because no offense to the Buffalo media, but I, I doubt that they get together and uh, they like share with their questions they're going to ask beforehand. The guy was literally asked the same question about seven times over. Mm-hmm. So the just tremendous respect, restraint on Ed Oliver's part, not to absolutely blow a gasket by the time the seventh or eighth guy asked him about the same exact situation um, that he was clearly um, upset about um, shows tremendous restraint. But even with the officer, I mean, me and you both have to admit that what he had to go through, that situation that he had to endure, that is something that neither you or I will ever understand. And True. he made a comment later on that, you know, that that could have been it. If I had handled that situation differently, that could have been the end of my life, like it was the end of George Floyd's life. And and that's what we'll never understand because if I was in that situation, I do not think I'd have that kind of restraint. But I also come from a background where I, I don't think I'd, I'd have to have that restraint. If I was a white person, in that situation, I was getting lippy with a police officer, or I was even resisting s- slightly. Um, I, I don't think my I would ever feel like my life was in danger. Right. It, an African American, they 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 uh, an African American, a black person, they they give lip, they slightly restrain. The next thing they know, they got three bullets in them. Yeah. Like that is the that's what that's what they have to endure, and that's what I I honestly. What, what people need to understand is just because you don't experience it and just because you don't see it firsthand doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And that right there is exhibit a, and it's, it's absolutely frustrating. And, and I wish I, I, I knew how to fix it. And I wish I knew what we as a society could do, but I, I, I'm just at a loss for words every time something like this happens. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you, we also, there were many interesting, like I said, for me, the entire conversation that he had with the media was interesting, mm-hmm. but and specifically, he talked of having to be guilty until being proven innocent in his case. And, uh, you know, I found it also interesting that indirectly he gave at least a hint that not everybody out there, including maybe inside the walls at one mm-hmm. bill's drive completely believed him when he said that he didn't do nothing wrong. I want to play that clip and then come back and, uh, get a reaction from you on that. Here's that clip. Probably some of the guys was like, I don't know if that happened like that. But I was trying to tell, like, I feel like nobody believed me. I feel like I was guilty until proven innocent, not innocent until proven guilty. I feel like everybody was like, why are you drinking and driving? Are you kill people doing that? And da 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 I like, hey, bro, I was just I was just riding my phone. I'm on my way home. I got up early in the morning, went out of town, ride my bike, come home, 
I get pulled over. They say I'm drunk driving. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I don't know. A lot of my teammates know that I'm I'm pretty much a country guy. Like I ain't I ain't with all the rah rah. I just stick to myself and I I do me like I like horses and foals and stuff like that. I like outdoor type. So they believe like yeah he was probably pulling the trailer up. It more than likely was swerving. He got a big truck. Yeah, yeah that sound like Ed, but like drunk driving. They're like mm, maybe speeding a little bit. That might be it. But like they ain't, I don't feel like they they're like something ain't right with it. But I feel like some of the guys believe me. Some of the guys thought it might be more to it. But I just I just told them the truth. I just came clean. Like ain't nothing to lie about. So there was during that statement, he said he feels like some of the guys felt like there might have been uh, more to the story. Now, I certainly don't want to make that out to be more than what it is. I don't think there's any controversy going on. I don't Mm -hmm. don't think there's any animosity or hatred from Ed Oliver to any teammate. But did that catch you off a little bit that he kind of came out and said that, uh, you know, that maybe not everyone on the team believed him or at least that there was a lot more to the story than what he was claiming it to be? Yeah, and that was crazy because, like, ironically, I just dropped an article on BuffaloFanatics.com this morning where I was talking about sort of the McDermott mindset and how it has sort of saturated this locker room and, you know, all the things and, and the way that the teammates are speaking about each other, the way the teammates are, are, are loving each other and appreciating each other and, and spending time with each other this offseason. So that really did take me, uh, you know, t- took me aback a little bit, and I was really surprised by it. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that when he says that people didn't believe him, I'm, I'm really hoping that maybe that was – you know, outside of the organization, but it's, it's definitely possible that within the organization, there were some people that didn't believe him, but hopefully, you know, when the truth did come to light that those people admitted how wrong they were and, and, and apologized to him. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you what, I mean, beyond just his team, I remember I talked about this on my podcast. I had a, a buddy, Joe on, he was a guest that day and we had a pretty good discussion about it. And I remember pretty vividly, man, I was guilty of it. And I have to be fair. I think most people were. We presumed him guilty just like everyone else. Well, he got caught. He got a DWI. And I very well remember the conversation and focused on, all right, well, the kid's 22. He's still young. He made a stupid mistake. And the question was, well, is he going to learn from this? Is this going to not happen again? Or is this going to become a pattern? Is this a problem? And of course, now we know that it never even happened. I think a lot of people, and I try to take it as a, a life lesson. I mean, we all make mistakes. And again, I think almost everybody universally just assumed that because he got arrested and got charged with a DWI, that he was going to be, that he was guilty. I don't know if you felt that way. I did. And, and most people do. And it's wrong. And I, I think as podcasters, as writers, as bloggers, as media people, or even as just as mm-hmm. fans, everyday fans, you know, let this be a lesson that let's not always, uh, presume something to be true until it is proven. Like Ed Oliver said, I mean, he said it with his own words and he was right. He's a hundred percent right, dude. He was guilty until he got proven innocent. No one believed that he didn't do anything until the reports came out. The toxicology reports that he had 0.00. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, and the other crazy thing too, is they said, he said the NFL put him in the drug rehab program. <laughs> like he was sitting there telling the NFL, like, I'm not a drug addict. I don't have a drug problem. And they put him in the program anyway which I think is is absolutely ridiculous that the NFL was jumping to those conclusions before the legal process got a chance to play out. I mean, one of the reasons why I was excited in the new CBA that Roger Goodell was 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 losing his control sort of of some of the discipline was I feel like Roger Goodell felt the need to punish every single thing 
even before the legal process played out. And I mean, there are some instances instances where you got it. Like there's video evidence, there's video proof, there's all these things. Like the Ray Rice situation, like that needs to be handled immediately. But in the case like Ed Oliver, where all you have is a video of him being what? Cooperative with police? You got to let that situation play out before you try to be punitive with Ed Oliver. I think yeah. it was absolutely ridiculous that they, that even the NFL jumped to the conclusions and tried to throw him into a program like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And look, I mean, you spoke of it, and I 100% agree with you when it comes to cooperating with the police about that being a racial thing. And I absolutely agree with you. I would have been fearful for my safety had I been a little, you know, uncooperative. So I completely agree with you on that. But when it comes to this case specifically, mm-hmm. and I mean, in terms of presuming his guilt, I don't necessarily believe that that's a, a, a racial thing either. If that had been Dawson Knox or, or Josh Allen or pretty much anybody on the team, when you hear the report that someone got arrested for a DWI, your first instinct is to assume that it's true. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And in this case, like I said, obviously it wasn't. So hopefully going forward, I'll be better. And a lot of other people will be out there too. And we'll wait to hear and see the facts before we jump to any conclusions. But anyway, that's off the field. Far more significantly at Oliver, the football player on the field to the Buffalo Bills. What do you think his significance to this team is, especially this year? Because... Jordan Phillips is gone. No, that guy had nine and a half sacks last year, man. You know, he he kept that Oliver off the field for a lot of 2019 because he was playing very well. He's gone. Star of the Lodale opted out. Harrison Phillips, he's back, but he's not proven to be 100% recovered yet. And then you got new additions like Vernon Butler and Quentin Jefferson, who will play inside a little bit. Now, these guys are veterans, but they haven't got a lot of time with the team, so it's not like a typical year with OTAs and minicamp and all that stuff to get familiar with everything. Uh, so to me, he was already one of the more talented players on this team, but mm-hmm. now I think he's one of the more critical players on this team considering everything that I just said. What do you think about him and his significance to this defense? Yeah, um, I mean, Nate Asper on the NFL Basement, one of the Buffalo Fanatics podcasts, he made a great comment a couple of weeks ago, and I think that it sort of fits the narrative of what we're talking about here. He talked about Trey White has already shown that he can be like a top five NFL corner, and that's being generous. And now he's going into year four. Matt Milano is a budding superstar going into year four. Tremaine Edmonds looks like he has all pro, maybe defensive player of the year in his future potential. He's going into year three. Now you have Ed Oliver going into year two. So you have a player like White and you have a player like Edmonds and you have a player like Oliver. And if all three of those players can hit their ceilings at once, you're talking about three absolute superstar NFL players caliber players on your defense and then you're surrounding them with guys like Matt Milano and and Quentin Jefferson and Jerry Hughes and and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer you're surrounding them with with you know above average talent as well so the Buffalo Bills find themselves in this position where they legitimately have three players where you know if Ed Oliver takes the next step if Tremaine Edmonds takes the next step and Trey White essentially just stays where he is they're gonna have three all pros on that defensive side of the football. And that is sort of a recipe for if the Buffalo Bills, you know, we could be looking at a situation where it's not just a top five defense in the National Football League. If everything clicks right, we're talking, you know, lightning could strike, you know, like we could catch lightning in a bottle and we could have an elite all-time defense if some of these guys take the steps they're supposed to with, with the sort of talent we have on this defense. Yeah, for sure. One more football thing before we talk Sabres for a few so we talked earlier about college football. Big Ten's already done. It's very likely there's not going to be a fall college season anyway for football. 
Mm-hmm. And Adam Schefter said a reporting early on Monday morning that that could open the door for the NFL to play games regularly on Saturdays and potentially even a couple Friday night games. I ran a small poll on Twitter. It was only a couple hundred people had voted as we're recording this anyway. And I expected it to be fans to be in favor of it, but I didn't know it was going to be that much. I, I think it's like around 85% of fans from the poll that I ran would be in favor of having a NFL on Saturdays or even Fridays if there's no uh, no college football this year. What's your take on that? It's difficult, right? Because, I mean, in reality, I think you want more football and, and, and you want it as spread out as possible and you want something to fill that time that was normally being taken by college football. But you also got to think about the logistics of it. I mean, how often do we get upset at how sloppy Thursday night football is? And mm-hmm. it's not like they're going to be throwing all the primetime games around. CBS and Fox – you know, they get dibs. Like the reason why the Sunday football game isn't always the best game in the world, even after it's flexed, is because CBS and and Fox, they have the right to protect to, to protect games. Not to mention you're gonna have to work outside TV deals over the course of like a month or two with all these networks and you know, start bidding wars and, and get people upset and executives upset. So it's it's not exactly the easiest thing to do in the world, logistically speaking. And 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 we're not even talking about travel now because there are some NFL teams that say we're not even going to stay in hotels. We're going to fly to the city we're playing in the, the the morning of, and we're going to hop off the plane and go straight to the stadium. Like that's absolutely insane. But that's that's that this is the reality we're living in that some people are talking about. So as much as I think as a fan, I'd want to see it. I just don't know if logistically you're going to get the best product on the field, and if it's really going to you know mesh really well with with sort of everything going on in the in the COVID world we're living in. Yeah, I agree with that, and I would say uh, I think fans like it, the idea, and I understand why, and I could totally dig myself in and get it in the Saturday football, but you said it. Performance-wise is an issue, and I'll tell you this. I I mean, obviously, fans are speaking it and they're in favor. I'll tell you one thing is people are not going to be favorite. That's going to be football players. I've had I've talked to many Buffalo Bills players on this show, former and current, and almost universally, they hate playing, like you just said. They don't like playing on short weeks, man. They don't like that. Play, NFL players like routine. They like habits. They're creatures of habit. And they like almost every NFL player will tell you if they could, they would play every 16 game. They All of them, they would play at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Or they if they live on the West Coast, they play at 4 o'clock on the West Coast every single week. They like that routine. And uh, yeah, so on top of the schematics with TV and all that other stuff, I think you would get some pushback from players. I could be wrong, but my gut is that you would get some pushback from players because I, I can tell you for sure, they definitely don't want to be playing on Friday and Saturday nights and have it spread out that much. I mean, if logistically speaking, if the NFL had more time to prepare, there was there there was there's easy ways which they could have made it work. Like they could have scheduled all the AFC games and the NFC games up front and said AFC plays on Saturdays, NFC plays on Sundays. Like there are things they could have done to keep that routine in place. Right. But when we're talking about all right, the season starts in a month. There's just only so many things you can logistically do in, in that such in that short period of time. Let's take a break. I want to let you know that today's episode is being supported by 26 Shirts. Over at 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo theme design is sold every two weeks. And then, bam, that's it. That's a wrap for that shirt. Here's the best part about what they do. For every single shirt sold, they make a donation to a specific worthy campaign or to a charity each and every single time. 
Since launching in 2013, their designs and shirts have managed to raise and donate several hundred thousand dollars. That number grows literally daily. Del Reed, his crew, they do such an amazing job. They enrich the lives of so many people. It's great to see. Not to mention, these are outstanding looking design shirts. They're comfortable. They're sporty. They look good on you. I have several myself. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. Let's talk hockey for a few minutes here, which typically that pains me to do. <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres, man. Look, I said this on Twitter on Monday. I I dig at them too much, man. I'm, I pile on everything they do, and it probably gets redundant for people who follow me on Twitter, and they're probably sick of it. But to be fair to me, they just they make it so easy. Now, on Sunday, the Sabres teased that they were going to have this, the, you know, Buffalo Sabres team awards on Monday and somehow some way they got me looking forward to it. I don't know how they managed to do it, but they did probably because I knew it was going to be stupid and they didn't let me down because it was stupid. They only had four awards. Okay. Only three of them were on ice. Now all of them, except for one were no brainers. Jack Eichel mm-hmm. won team MVP and he won a foundation award for work off the ice, which I'm not going to rib on that. That's fantastic. Good for him. Victor Olofsson won Rookie of the Year. Of course he did. And then the other award that they had, the only other award was Unsung Hero. And they gave it to Kyle Ocposo. Now, let me say this. I want And I want to get your take on that. I was very critical of that on Twitter. And I, I kind of took a beating. I mean, it wasn't 100% against me. Oh, I saw. I saw, man. You got, you got ratioed. Yeah, I did. I definitely, I definitely <laughs> did big time. But I'll tell you what. I stand by my take, man. Because, yeah. look. I get it. He came back from a lot. His career could have been over. So that's fine. But an unsung, dude, when you make $6 million a year, I don't care what way you look at it. I don't care if he was good on the fourth line. He found his niche. They, he was the reason why they helped the Sabres had two good lines instead of just one. I don't give a shit. You make $6 million a year. You score nine goals and 19 points in 52 games. You're not an unsung hero to me. To me, you're an underachiever, an over guy who gets overpaid. And, uh, Best case, you're just doing your your job. And it's best case, man. But again, I'm kind of, I don't want to lead you and try to what I want you to say. I want to know what your take is on well, that. First of all, the award was called Unsung Hero. And I want to know, like, I'm sorry, but, you know, maybe it's the millennial in me. I didn't read the article. I just saw the, I just saw the picture. Right. How can, how can a team that didn't make the playoffs have a hero? Like, like how yeah. is anyone a hero? Like, it. If they were Marvel characters, the, the the city was destroyed. Like, there is no hero. They failed. Um, so I don't know how you can have an unsung hero on a team that didn't make the playoffs. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, th- I think you're spot on. Like, how can you have a $6 million unsung hero? If I'm thinking unsung hero for this hockey team, I'm thinking it's like a, a Yoki Haru who had a really good season, despite the fact that, you know, not much was really expected of him, you know, early on in his career, in his career you know, coming in with that Nylander swap. Or like a Curtis Lazar who made a name for himself on the bottom lines and played some quality minutes for this hockey team, despite the fact that like he's an AHL player or even a a Larry Larson, uh, Johan Larson, who was the only center on the hockey team outside of Jack Eichel, who could control possession and drive possession into the offensive zone. Yeah. Like the only guy, but I I can tell you right now why Johan Larson didn't win this award because Johan Larson fucking hates it in Buffalo. Like he's gone. 
Right. He is a pending UFA, and he he he's probably packed his bags and is long out of this godforsaken city because who would want to play for this hockey team at this point? Like, so the only reason Kyle Poso got it is because like everyone likes Kyle Poso because he's a really nice guy and he overcame a disease and like he's a, a you know a, a, a locker room glue guy. Yeah. That's the reason why he got this award. I, I no offense, like I'm with you. He didn't deserve it. Look, and again, it kind of ties into what my bigger problem with this is with the Sabres. But yeah, I agree. And Anthony uh, Chandra, who is an excellent blogger and podcaster, he does Die by the Blade <laughs> and Expected Buffalo. He had a point, and it's a fair one. He said, if I post was getting paid three million a year, he'd be universally adored. He's right, but you know what? He ain't getting paid three million a year. He's getting paid six million a year. Now, is that his fault? No, but still, it it is what it is. I don't. He could have, if you would have gave him comeback player of the year or something like that, something inspirational. Yeah, but to me, Unsung Hero, nah. You mentioned some mm-hmm. guys. I would have even been all right with, say, Zegman Gergeson, who everybody mm-hmm. written off as trash, including myself. And he, he, I, don't get me wrong, he wasn't fantastic, but he was a part of that fourth line, and nobody really counted on him for anything this year. I would have been good with him. You mentioned Yoki Haro. And this is what I'm talking about where the Sabres really dropped the ball. That was just so boring and vanilla, just like the fucking on-ice product of this hockey team. They could have had some creativity with this, a little fun with this exercise. They could have had like a, a breakout player of the year. That could have went to, uh, to Yoki Haro. That would have been pretty cool. Or you mentioned Curtis Azar. How about like a best value player? You know, somebody who gave you the best bang for your buck. Uh, best pickup. I mean, Dominic only played like six games, but he looked like a really mm-hmm. good get after six games. But you could have had a category, best trade. You know, all kinds of categories. Or had some team stuff. But, you know, best team game, best comeback, uh, best moment. Because you know they're not going to have anything negative because it would go on forever if we were to do that. But my point is there was so much more they could have done. And they hyped this. You know, it's not like they dropped it out of mm-hmm. nowhere. They hyped this like this was coming. And then it does. And it's like, again, just vanilla and bland. And nobody gives a shit. And you just invite everybody for ridicule, which is seems to be a trend with them, what they do off the ice. It's just, it pisses me off because their off-ice product right now to me is equally as bad as the on-ice product. And I didn't think that'd be possible. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's absolutely crazy because, you know, I like to harp on the Pagulas a lot, like I, like a lot. If anyone ever scrolls through my Twitter feed, I'm not a big fan of the Pagulas between their nepotism and I, I think their incompetence running a hockey organization. But, um, you know, it's it's weird because... I, I do think that they're doing great things on the other side, which is what baffles me because as much as I want to give Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean credit for everything that's going on in Buffalo, you know, I think Ralph Wilson stadium and, and the repairs they've done to that stadium and the way they make that stadium look that started before McDermott and Bean got here looks pretty good. Yeah. That new world-class gym they brought that's bringing in free agents. It's looking pretty good. Like where the hell is that for the Sabres? Why is the Harbor center not paying the dividends that it was supposed to like, what is just what in the hell is going on with that organization that they can't get it right. And they think Kevin Adams, the guy who's fixing Zambonis in the Harbor Center, is going to fix it. I just, I, I just don't understand like where their heads at as a franchise. And you're right; they bring this ridicule upon themselves. And I think we're all just in such a negative headspace with the Sabers that they could literally do anything, and we'd be upset about it. Like tomorrow, they're going to actually reveal the jerseys, and you know Mike Shope's already on Twitter. Like between 1978 and 1981, they actually changed the shade of blue, the shade of royal blue, from a lighter to a darker without ever making an announcement. There were two different shades of royal blue. So I guarantee you tomorrow, whatever the wrong shade is, whatever the majority of people don't like, the Pagulas are probably going to pick that shade of royal blue. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So people are listening to this. We're taping this Monday night, so people are listening to it Tuesday. 
it might have already be revealed by the time people are listening to this. But are things like that something that mean anything to you as a fan? Now, they don't to me. And in fairness, again, I, I'm not going to criticize anyone who does. I'm just not a Jersey guy, I guess, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Maybe it makes me old and grumpy. I don't know. I very well could be. But like, what are your thoughts on that? And, and I'm glad um, you said, hold on, before you give that to me, okay. too. I'm really glad that you said what you said because you're so spot on. When you lose as much as you do, it seems like you can't do anything right. The things they get criticized for, everything they do opens themselves up to criticism. Where if the Bills, if they were a day late wishing Sean McDermott a happy birthday or something, not a big deal. You do that with a saber and, and, and it's kill city. So anyway, your thoughts mm-hmm. on all that. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's even the other day, like they're, they're letting like Jilba Perot and Dominic Hasek and all of these, these bills and sabers legends out of their sort of contracts as community ambassadors. And they're, they're getting ripped for that. But honestly, what they're doing makes sense. Instead of giving like three or four guys, these like giant, like yearly contracts, they're just going to pay them by event so they can bring in newer guys like Kyle Williams and Fred Jackson and stuff. So they're sort of like trying to mix, mix and match the events with the personnel and the alumni and stuff. So it's really not a bad thing on the surface, but sure enough, everyone on Twitter is just ripping them endlessly for it. Like, how could you do this to Gilbert Perot? And like, how could you do this to, to this and that? But at the end of the day, it's really not a big deal. Like you mentioned, but as for the jerseys, I'm a traditionalist. Like I love the throwbacks. Like I hate new jerseys, like the Seattle Seahawks, like stuff like that. I just hate, like I'm very much a traditionalist. So I'm pumped that we're going back. I don't hate the jerseys we have now with the darker blue. Like I don't hate them. Like they're fine, but to go back to that Royal blue, I absolutely love. But at the end of the day, I, I look around the NHL and I look at what teams like the Vancouver Canucks and the Arizona coyotes do. The Coyotes go back to that sort of old school, um, you know, greenish sort of, I don't know what the actual like coyote that they call on the jersey. They're going back to that jersey and the Canucks use their black jersey. I would absolutely love it if the Buffalo Sabres would have their royal blue and would have their white and bring back the goat head. Like I miss the white goat head. Why can't you have the white goat head as your third jersey or something like that? Like just bring back what the people want as long as you avoid the slug as long as you avoid like the one that looked like the Nashville Predators jersey, like you can't do wrong if you're if you're the Pagulas. Like, and that and that's what the issue is, is it's very easy to keep the fans in Buffalo happy and they seem to somehow find a way not to do it. Like it's not difficult. They should have brought Royal Blue back a decade ago. There never should have been a slug. There never should have been the Predators looking jersey. Like, what the hell are these people thinking? Why why didn't we just go back to like why is it now in the year 2020 we're finally seeing Royal blue. Like what took so long? Yeah. One more hockey thing here before we wind down a little baseball talk, your thoughts on Mm. the NHL draft lottery winner. We started taping this shortly after it happened. The New York Rangers won. They win the sweepstakes, Alex Lafrenier. What are your thoughts on that? You happy he's going there? Obviously I, you don't got to tell me that you're happy that Mm. he's not going to Toronto, but like if you could have picked a team, not counting Toronto, you know, well, actually, you wouldn't want him to go to Toronto, but like, what would have mm. been your preference? Are you happy with where he's going? I, I don't mind that he's going to New York, just like I didn't mind when Austin Matthews went to Toronto, because if the Sabres would get their head out of their ass and they were good, like that'd be really fun to watch. Jack Eichel head to head versus Austin Matthews in the playoffs. Jack Eichel head to head versus L- 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 I can never pronounce his name correctly, but Len, Len Fierre, like in the playoffs, like or in playoff battles, like you would watch the best of the best go up against each other, and you would see these rivalries being created, and it would be fun, and memories would be made. But here we are, hoping he goes to Florida or goes somewhere on the in the Western conference. So the Sabres can just limp into the playoffs. Like that's what our hope is. That's not what should we should be rooting for. And, you know, we should be rooting for 
some of these teams to get these players so we can create memories and we can beat the best of the best and and we can have fun watching hockey again because you know we know that we were that we are the superior team when we do go ahead and, and actually start winning hockey games again yeah. that's always been my mindset with the draft and but at the same time, the draft just it brings so much more ridicule. Like you're gonna get more conspiracy theorists and, and absolute, you know, nutcases on your back with a draft than you would people freaking out about tanking. Like to me, whatever. If if the if the if the I mean, who is the worst team in hockey this year? But if if they if they're the worst team in hockey, they deserve the number one pick, so they're not the worst team forever. Like the Atlanta Thrashers are now in Winnipeg because they could never, you know, get off the hump in Atlanta. So you know, there is no conspiracy behind the NHL lottery. If there was, Pittsburgh or Toronto would have had the number one overall pick, not the Rangers. Yeah, I agree. And look, I'm good with him going to the Rangers personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a. And by the way, Detroit would have had the they had the worst. Yeah, there we go. League, so. And that would have been fun. Dylan Larkin, yeah. like that's a team that deserves another good player because they've, you know, since the free agency era sort of has taken over. And, and and their mindset was very like old school back in the day when there wasn't a salary cap and stuff and they could bring in guys like crazy. That's a hockey town yeah. that hasn't had a hockey team in almost just as long as the Sabres. So they deserved it as well. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you all, Lafreniere is very happy that he's going to New York. I can pretty <laughs> much guarantee you that. And like I said, I'm good with it. They let him come to Buffalo next time of year as opposed to the Western Conference. Plus, yay, if he's a good player, if he, if he doesn't turn out to be a bus, he's going to be a megastar because he's playing in New York. So I'm cool with that. One more thing, the Buffalo Blue Jays. That's what we'll call them mm-hmm. for now. Anyway, again, we're dropping this Tuesday morning. So Buffalo is set to host a game this evening versus Miami at 6.30 p.m. at Salins Field. Uh, let me get your take on that. Does that excite you that there's Major League Baseball coming to Buffalo? Or because of the situation, no fans or any of that stuff? Is it just like, eh, whatever. What's your take on that? Yeah, there's actually something I, I I wanted to work through with you because I was having this conversation on the phone with my dad this morning because, you know, me being the millennial and him being the boomer, he called me and he was like, how do I get this game on TV? And I, I didn't know how to explain it to him because if you're in Buffalo and you want to watch the Blue Jays, uh, chances are you probably don't have the Canadian channel that uh, they're playing on. And because the Major League Baseball is Major League Baseball, um, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays are blacked out in the Buffalo market. So if you buy the MLB package, you can't watch the game. Can anyone in Buffalo legitimately even watch this game tonight? I don't even know, to be honest with you. I don't I think can, anyone in but Buffalo. It's not gonna be, it, it's not gonna be legitimately if I'm being honest. Here, <laughs> like if this game's even on ESPN, people in Buffalo can't watch it. It's blacked out, local market. And no one in Buffalo probably has, my guess is it's TSN. No one in Buffalo probably has the feed to TSN. Very few people do. Most people I know only have CBC. So I, I really think, and again, who knows? Because I don't know the ins and outs of the industry. You know how like the Bisons usually play on like, you know, WNLO or whatever, or the Bills preseason games are simulcast on WKBW or mm-hmm. WGRZ. Why, why did none of these local stations make a deal? With, with with TSN to simulcast the, the Blue Jays games. Yeah. That seems like a moneymaker that was just ready to happen. And that's what's really disappointing. Like, that's why I can only get so enthused and excited. Like, yeah, it's cool. We get to see Duntire Park, you know, in, and we get to see Major League Baseball in it. But we don't actually get to see it because they even blocked it off so you can't see it from the highway. Like, my dad legitimately went and scoped it out so he could, like, stand on, like, a hill and try to watch the game. <laughs> they blocked it out. They blocked it out. So legitimately, the only way you can watch this game is if you're doing the 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 things that we're not going to talk about that you're doing, or or you live in Toronto or the visiting city. Right. Like legitimately, no one. Like maybe I'm wrong, but to 
to my knowledge, no one in Buffalo could even watch this freaking baseball game <laughs> illegally, at, at least. So someone, someone dropped the ball somewhere, in my opinion. Folks, uh, I think Steve's in a, a time machine from 10 years ago. Is He still calls it Duntire Park. Still Ralph oh, Wilson. Man, sorry. It's, still, it's still Ralph Sales Wilson field. Stadium. <laughs> I still call it the Ralph, too. I'll, I'll, call, I'll call the football stadium the Ralph for as long as I live. Um, yeah, the baseball stadium changes every three years, so I never know what the hell mm-hmm. to call it. I don't know, man. For me, I don't want to come off as a hater, and it's especially easy to say that when I'm not living in Buffalo, just like you right now. We're not mm-hmm. actually in the city, so we don't get to feel that vibe of Major League Baseball in the town itself. But, I mean, it's cool because it's a civic pride thing. I mean, it's pretty cool just to say that you got Major League Baseball going on in your city. But for me, that's about it because the fans can't go to the game. I mean, that matters, dude. The fans can't go there and watch the game. It would be such a Hmm. bigger deal if you could go to the game. And it's not even just that. A lot of the businesses around the area, they're not going to see any economic uh, boom because of it. Now, a couple hotels where the teams are staying or a couple select restaurants where these teams that come in or where the Blue Jays are staying and where they eat, sure, they're going to benefit from it. But for the most part, those bars that are around that area, all those restaurants that are around that area, because of everything going on, Chippewa Street, no, they're not benefiting. There's no mm-hmm. real serious economic boom that's going to come from it. And again, you can't watch the game. So that's why I never get that excited. The, the the biggest winner to me, and even though it won't be on national TV a lot, is we were just joking around about it, the field. Salins. To me, Salins is the big winner because it's Salins Field. They paid minor league money to get the stadium naming rights. And now for a couple months, at least anyway, these boys are going to be on mm-hmm. TV saying Salins Field, you know, some ESPN highlights at the beginning of a clip. So they're going to get a lot of pub. So the, uh, the Rich family, too, because, I mean, they haven't dropped a dime into that ballpark in like 20 years, and they, they got some new lights out of the deal. <laughs> and as, in terms of the Blue Jays, here's the other thing, too. And now I know Buffalo is their farm team, obviously, and that's a, a reason why they're playing in Buffalo. Well, that plus uh, Baltimore didn't want them, and Pittsburgh didn't want them, so they really didn't have any. In Canada, of course, they didn't want them, so they didn't really have any other choice. In terms of the team, yeah, I mean, they're 5-8 and eight this year. Uh, Mm-hmm. Again, yeah, that, no fans, but it is a chance for people who do want to follow the team, get to know some of these younger players better. Uh, they got Vlad Guerrero Jr., Big Gio's a good player, Bo Bichette. It's a couple of nice players, but not a great team. And I still maintain what I've always said. If there were fans at the stadium, okay, and they were playing this weekend and the Yankees were coming to town, 70% of that stadium is going to be rooting for the Yankees. I don't give a shit mm-hmm. if they play for the Blue Jays or not, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I live out here in in Phoenix, Arizona, and they get a home game twenty times a year, maybe. Because when the Cubs are in town, it's a Cubs game. When the Red Sox are in town, right. it's a Red Sox game. When the Yankees are in town, it's a Yankees game. I've lived I lived in Buffalo for twenty five years. I never once met a single Blue Jays fan, and I, I was a huge fan of baseball. Never yeah. once, yeah. never once. The same thing with me down here. I'm near Tampa, and uh, you go to the Trop and. And the difference between Tampa and Arizona is Tampa's actually a really good baseball team. But yeah, when mm. there's fans, there's still, it's it's a Yankees series, it's a Red Sox series, it's a Dodgers series if they're playing interleague. Yeah, they just, they don't really care. Not a big sports town. Now, Buffalo is, but again, I still say there's more Yankees or even, maybe even we, Red Sox fans and Blue Jays fans. The big fan, the the big winners are also, I think, the 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 26 shirts people too, because oh, first yeah. of all, that 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 design they came out with was absolute oh. fire, like absolute fire, and I'm, I'm not surprised it was their top seller. And, and kudos to Del Reed and those guys over at 26 shirts. That that uh, that mock up they did for the the Buffalo uh, Blue Jays was unbelievable, dude. They raised 
and this was a week ago, like over 53,000 that they're splitting between two charities. Uh, yeah, far and away his best uh, selling shirt ever. I love that dude, man. I love 26 shirts. They're a sponsor of the show too. So I'm not just, it's easy for me to say <laughs> that, but I, I do, I genuinely love them and they're, uh, they're great people and they do great stuff. Anyway, so do you, man. And this was a lot of fun to get together and have a chat with you. You're, you're a smooth guy to talk to, man. I really like it. <laughs> I get in the comfort zone with some people and then there's others where it kind of feels forced, but that definitely doesn't uh, feel that way with you, man. You're, you're one of the good uh, podcasters out there. And I can tell that you're really finding your niche, man. You're finding your lane and you're digging in. Good stuff for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's very rare that I find someone on Twitter with a snark game as strong as mine, but you're definitely up there. So I do appreciate that. I think that uh, if if there was an award for Twitter snark, me and you would definitely be both be nominated. All right, folks, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, my man, Steve Mathis from Buffalo Fanatics. Always good to have Steve on the podcast. Thank you again, Steve. Also want to thank today's show supporters, 26 Shirts and Sunny Reds. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead, do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, truly helps me continue to grow this podcast. Of course, you can catch us on... Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the major podcasting platforms are everywhere. So do that. You can also check us out on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcasts, our own YouTube channel. I put up highlight clips from certain episodes, current and past. Uh, I'm going to be doing some original content that you'll only get there pretty soon. Might even mess around with some live streams. So look out for that. And then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. That's the place to be for me, man. I'm always on Twitter. Podcast updates, promos, upcoming guests. Just banner with sports fans. It's uh, where I'm at, man. So find me there at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you very, very much for listening to this episode. I say it all the time. I do because I mean it, man. I know how many podcasts there are out there, even just in this Buffalo-specific sports market. And when you're taking the time to tune in, Your ears, your eyes, it truly means a lot to me. I don't take that for granted. So thank you very much. Have a good week. I'll be back with a brand new episode on Friday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.